So, welcome. Welcome, everybody. I'm very glad to be with you on what some people would call the second day of Christmas. And, and it's conceivable that somebody somewhere is receiving two turtle doves today. And having already received a partridge and a pear tree with many birds to come and other wildlife and the wild things and drummers. But we've covered that ground. It's also Boxing Day. But what it mostly is, I, in years past, I just relished telling the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, a Dharma version. I just love to do it. But this year, it just didn't feel right. And I recall that one of the ways he was described as being solitary as an oyster. And it dawned on me that most of us feel that way this year. And I heard of a cartoon that had Scrooge sitting alone in his big chair in the gloom. And a ghost came into the room and said, I'm the ghost of Christmas past. Wait a minute. Maybe I'm the ghost of Christmas future. I've, I've lost all track of time. And many of us feel this way in these conditions that have brought us together on Zoom, this pandemic. We, we share a solitude and a sense of, of time kind of becoming porous, past, present, future. So in other words, just not the year to tell this ghost story. But what did move me very, very deeply is the idea of how we could be blessed. And I love that word. I, I looked up the, the root of it in English the way I like to do. And it's touching because the, the other week, my friend and I, my friend who was hosting in Terrytown and I were talking about what it means to make something sacred or set apart and discovered the roots the same in English and in Hebrew, to set apart. And the word blessing also means to mark or consecrate or set apart. For our purposes, it means that no matter what is going on inside, even in times of sadness or great poignancy, and these holidays can be very poignant, very lonely, no matter what we happen to be experiencing, there's something in us, something free that sees. 
And when we come together, one of the great things that we do together as a Sangha is remind one another that this is so. Even in our times of great darkness, that there's more to us. There's more to us than we know. And so, first I want to acknowledge the passing of the great Desmond Tutu, the great anti-apartheid activist and archbishop, who most of us know, many of us here have seen pictures of him with the Dalai Lama. They just loved each other. They loved each other. And it had nothing to do with beliefs or any any thoughts. But they shared something. And Desmond Tutu, among other things, said, we are made to enjoy music, to enjoy beauty of all kinds. There's some, and now remember always the world that Desmond Tutu was born into. It wasn't a world that that taught him he was beautiful. Just the opposite. But he discovered within himself that there's something in us that's created for the transcendent, for the sublime, for the beautiful. And that it's the task of each of us to make the world a little bit more hospitable to this possible beauty, which he certainly did. And it's so important to remember that we do that in just a moment, and we do it with, with almost something imperceptible, just a little bit of willingness to show up, to be here, to be present, or to entertain the idea that this elusive thing called presence, this energy of awareness, might be possible. And I took great pleasure in in sharing yesterday on Christmas Day a, a blessing from Fra Angelico this early Renaissance painter and Dominican friar. Fra, I believe, means brother. Brother. Because what was, even if you didn't read it all or like all the words, there's something in it that's so fresh. It's so new. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just have to say, so now that I can see you, and I'm quoting him, I salute you. I am your friend, and my love for you goes deep. It's so beautiful to be in a community where you can feel free to be a friend, to open to a love for what you see before you, the potential you see, and have it be something that is completely safe. That something that doesn't harbor any kind of other agenda, but to support someone in their un 
unfolding in their opening to a greater presence. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, as I said, but just that that affirmation that there's nothing I can give you which you have not already. But there's much, very much, which though I cannot give you, you can take. And he points out the radiance, the presence within you, behind the appearances of things, including difficult things, darkness, that within those experiences, within experiences of loss, barrenness, sadness, disappointment, and also joy, we can touch something even deeper. And that something deeper is our own innate radiance, our capacity to be present, to join with an awareness that's vast. That's vast. So I think rather than, than talk about it, Perhaps let's sit together for 20 minutes and we can have an exchange. And I invite, invite you as we get ready, even before you close your eyes, just notice what it feels like to greet yourself like that friend, that the great Dominican, he was beatified, so his title was blessed. So this blessed friend inviting you to greet yourself and know yourself as beautiful, as worthy, as blessed. And notice how it feels as you settle in and let your back be straight to extend to yourself this welcome, even if the feelings that are present now are heavy or tired, whatever they are, to welcome the fullness of your human experience, as the Buddha would call noble, worthy. And notice how it feels to let yourself be still. And that doesn't mean no thoughts, no feelings. It means no resistance. It means be soft. Let yourself be.
just like this. Notice that there's an awareness here, a presence that sees with kindness and spacious calm. And see that you can let everything happen to you. Every thought, every feeling. Without thinking about it. Just let it happen. Experiencing it as energy in the body. Noticing that you can begin again anytime. Notice that you're far away and gently come home to the body, to sensation, to breath. Noticing that everything is acceptable. Worthy of kindness and interest.
beginning to remember how alive you are. There's an aliveness here inside you that's vibrant and warm. And notice as you bring the attention home to the body, you can feel its weight, its gravity, its substance. And as you come home, you quiet and open to an attention that sees with kindness, with curiosity instead of comment. Is that there's a presence here inside you, but also past, alive. Seeing like the sky.
when you find that you have drifted off into thinking, dreaming, picturing, notice this without comment and gently come back again to the sensation of being here in a body. under a sky-like awareness. That's completely accepting and kind. Notice how it feels to let yourself be completely soft. Just resting in stillness. Just come home 
to the aliveness that's inside you and around you, to a presence that's deeply personal and also vast, like the sky. Notice how it feels to be beloved, just like this. Nothing to change, nothing to strive for. Completely lovable, acceptable. Resting in presence, allowing everything to be just like this.
beautiful practice for your attention, for your presence. And if you have comments or about your practice or observations or questions, we would love to hear from you, to hear your voice. everyone and uh, you know when you mentioned the painter um, what I've begun to see what I've begun to see as I move towards more the spiritual path is that I've begun to realize that there really aren't coincidences I don't see coincidences but I see a, a thread of connection to everything and you mentioned um, you mentioned Desmond Tutu and, and his passing and all of that and and, and painters, and I woke this morning and I was reading, um, which I'm loving, the, the, the parable issue on the golden rule. And I was reading in particular about um, Norman Rockwell, who I often thought that his, his paintings and all of that were kind of a little saccharine for me. Um, and then when, when I read the article, it was really about how much he stood up for, um, what we, what we really have in our country is a sense of apartheid and, and, and the oppression towards the black people to the point where <clears throat> he basically resigned from the post, which I guess was very popular in the early 60s. And he never really, he never, he did what he felt was right. And I didn't realize that Desmond Tutu in many ways was very similar to that in the fact that I mean, these are unsung heroes in some ways that he just felt like he needed to do what was right. And the humiliation that he went through. And I read, and, and I heard, I think it was on the BBC or something, that one time he was, he was at the airport and they just subjected him to a body search. And he joked about it. He said, well, maybe it's because I was wearing this metal cross or something. And, and he said with such, he had such a great sense of humor because one, one other thing I heard that he said was, well, the reason why there are black people and white people is because, well, black when black people were made, they just baked in the oven a little bit longer. 
And I just, and it really, the reason why I'm bringing this up was because later on this morning, I went to, I saw a neighbor of mine and we were, and he was bringing up, um, and he just, he was just talking about his politics and, and we're both diametrically opposed in many ways. And he's just going on and on about what a horrible job our, our current president is doing. And he's, he's, he's against Israel and he's a fellow Jew and I'm Jewish too. And he said to me, well, I suppose you're against Israel also. And because you're for Biden. And just like the others, I felt that I just had to meet him where he was at. And from stillness, I just said to him, I didn't answer the question. I just said to him, I just don't understand why, because I call my God Adonai, and an Arab calls his God Allah, that, that a Palestinian who's been on that land doesn't have, if I were to go to Israel, I would have special rights that he wouldn't have. And there was no anger from his part. I just felt like I met him where he was at. So I'm just saying that we have to, I think, especially with the upcoming year, that we have to, we have to say what we feel is right and it has to come from stillness. And I, and I think that's my resolve. And I particularly see that when I um, see this, this incredible issue on the golden rule. Um, well, um, I'm in, I don't mean to uh, cut you off, but I think that there is something even more immediate in the room, which is how does this, how does this relate to our practice right now? And, and it has to do with seeing moment by moment by moment, how we go up into our thoughts. We're always thinking, and that's perfectly natural. That's our nature. And we're always, you know, having judgments. Again, this is something that's perfectly natural. It's like the weather. There's nothing about it that, that we need to feel is unnatural, but we have to see that we're always identified with our thoughts and that what we're invited to do in this practice is to bring our attention to the body, first of all, to come down into sensation. We can do it right now and just have a palpable feeling of being present. I am present right now. We are present. And you might, a moment ago, you had a head full of thoughts and opinions and views and judgments, and that's not to say right or wrong, but that you are in thinking and feeling attached to the thinking. But just for now, you're present. And that this feeling of presence is something that can open to something much faster than a kind of self-contained moment of being present. We begin 
had moments, moment by moment, and not for a long time, but to be able to align ourselves with a different kind of force so that it would be possible to be with other people and with ourselves, not with a view to, you know, changing them or, or changing ourselves, but with an intention to really see what's present, body, heart, and mind. This is the opposite. This movement of becoming present is the opposite of kind of checking out. It's, it's the very ground of being part of what great beings have called the beloved community, of being capable of being with ourselves and with others in a new way. And, and as we practice this, we really do see the extent to which we're grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. And it's wonderful to, to read about these people and what they accomplish, but it's ever our task as Desmond Tutu said, and as the, that wonderful painter and holy figure and invites us to see that it's always the task to come home to what's here in this moment. How can I make this place more hospitable? We do it by bringing attention right here, right now. And seeing behind, seeing what what the coverings are, seeing what's underneath that attention or that radiance or that presence. It almost doesn't matter what the word is. There's something alive in us, more alive than our opinions and views. So, so I think that's the pressing work. Tracy? Yes. This is Val Thorpe. I'm so happy oh. to be here with Val. you. And I, I wonder if, as I listen to both of you, that there isn't a commonality here, because what I heard when Harley spoke was referring to these amazing individuals who are able to see beyond the moment to that sky that you've led us to today. I heard Harley doing that with his neighbor, in fact, that instead of getting into a political debate, he humanized the conversation momentarily and simply tried to express um, a perspective on a human predicament. And, and I almost felt as if it were meditation on the ground, that it was the benefit of all the meditation that we do that can bring us to a peaceful conversation rather than a combative one or a dividing one. So I found uh, Harley's words very inspiring and reflective 
of your work in this wonderful group and meditating. So I just wanted to affirm and celebrate that. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you, Val. And I think the hallmark, which I certainly heard too, is an absence of anger. And um, a, a state of presence. But I think also with a, certainly honoring the inner feeling that you seem to have, Harley, when you're with this person, but to inject a cautionary note that there's something in us that the ego is like a shape shifter. And one moment of presence very quickly can give way to a sense that you're right or that you've successfully accomplished something. And that's in no way meant to be an admonishment, but just something for you to see that this meditation on the ground it really is a work of letting go of now I've accomplished it or now I know just what to do. And yeah. I'll just leave it there. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Uh, this reminds me of a series I used to watch religiously, if I may use that word, <laughs> The Good Witch on Hallmark Channel. I don't know if any of you are familiar with it at all, but it, it was a beautiful, beautiful show because every time someone approached her with a negativity of any kind, especially this one character, the mayor of the town, was very antagonistic to her. She was jealous of her. Uh, the Good Witch played by, I can't think of her name, but the character was Cassie Nightingale in the story. She would come back, not with an answer, but with maybe a question or something for the person to think about. They would end up walking away, like scratching their head because they weren't sure what they encountered because what she would say would be beautiful and it would slowly change that person's nature, or not their nature, technically, but things in their nature that needed correction, let's say. And they became wonderful friends. And what's the word we always use? Softer. It, it was just so beautiful that my husband, who thought Hallmark Channel was really uh, not watching that, he was so addicted and he'd say, are we watching Good Witch tonight? Because it really, really inspired you to be more, to dig down deep into those places. And she did it so beautifully. I don't know, I, I don't remember the writers and it's now over. So I'll have to wait for the reruns to come back to see who wrote it because they're doing great work for this world by showing those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe some of you should look into it. It's really quite, quite inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. And it's an invitation for all of us to see that our practice really is about seeing. And by seeing, I also mean touching in. And it's so, it can be so fine and so quick. And, and you can see 
when seeing gives way to judgment. Like, oh, that's not practice. That's political view. Or that's a Hallmark series. Or, you know, and see, it's always about seeing ourselves with this compassionate and interested attention, moment by moment by moment, open contraction, grasping, leaning forward, recoiling, shrinking back. And what do we gain from this? It's not like looking at it in a cold clinical light, but looking at it and so we begin to see that we're not this endless grasping, this is my point of view, this is who I am, this is appropriate, this isn't appropriate, but the seeing itself. You see what I mean? That, and so as we begin to be comfortable or softer, with how we are, and we're inevitably like, oh, everything was great on Wednesday, and it's not, I'm not liking it today, or whatever you're feeling or thinking, you're softening and welcoming this presence that's in you, and something that also radiates out there and joins something greater. So that you become capable of being with everything as it unfolds. As unexpected as it might be, or as difficult or challenging as it might be, seeing the neighbor, the person up the street with the different views, or, or takes inspiration from a different source. Everything is a mirror. And everything is a means of awakening. Um, hi, Tracy. Um, I was aware today, I was, wasn't this meditation, but it was a meditation this morning that I had this very quick moment of just seeing um, this pure uh, sense of sadness coming up and was free for like a, probably just a few seconds of judging it one way or another, but it was like just expansive feeling of um, this is neutral. This is joy. You can feel joy. You can feel sad. You can feel angry. It's just that it's just what it is coming up. And I just, oh, wow, it was really so opening for a moment, for a second or two. Yeah, yeah. It's really not very often. <laughs> no, and it's really, it's really beautiful when it happens, when it's like heaven touching earth, like in that antique language, like that, that we can see the depth of our feeling. We can feel it and experience it being glimpsed, being held in awareness. And that as we meet it with that kind of open attention, it begins to open. 
sometimes too. So that there's another feeling under. So you can have a feeling of complete desolation or loneliness. I've had this experience that can open into something quite other than that, quite radiant even. And it's ever that. It's ever that. And just, you know, as someone once said about art, it's about an ability to bear the embarrassment of being ourselves. Or you could use the word vulnerability. Or whatever word comes up, sometimes a lot of shame comes up. Can we touch that? just for a moment with this compassionate attention, completely welcoming us to be ourselves without contracting. I said the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing. But just being with it. And it can feel like grace, like freedom. And then suddenly we can be with ourselves and the person in front of us who seems so very different or opposite with a completely different quality. So my question that just suddenly popped into my brain was, okay, so Tracy, is this going to grow? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, as much as I'd like to give you a guarantee, it's just, just look and see, look and see. But you've already glimpsed something, even if it's not grown to, you know, it's just a moment, you've glimpsed something really precious. What it feels like to be more alive much more deeply alive and also much more belonging to something vaster that's right here. And it turns out to have nothing to do with getting it all right, which is such a relief. And we feel that for a moment, then we get right back to work, trying to make ourselves acceptable and passable and more right. But for that moment, another order appears. I wanted to comment, Tracy, this is Sandra here, uh, about some experiences that I have had and just comparing, like today, I'm actually in a, a place where I can, I can actually soften into what's going on. And I've been attending both the twice a week um, meetings, and I don't know if it was last Sunday or Wednesday, I've, it's been 
have just noticed the difference for myself that I've had difficulty because of some very young terror that's been coming up. And um, I have had a hard time being with that and softening into that. And, um, and one of the things you, some words that you use today is the sky, you know, a sky-like presence. And then you talked about stillness and I believe you talked about gravity and the state of that I've been in, um, which is different today, I can tap into gravity, actually feel my weight and feel in touch with my weight versus the presence, you know, being like from a sky almost. But I was having difficulty with, with that, with the, the level of terror or the type of terror that was up. And um, I, I was trying, I was trying to find it. And I suppose I'm reflecting that I don't know what I could have done because it's taken me like two weeks to kind of gradually get to this point where I, I'm not like pain-free in terms of not having any discomfort, but I'm able to be with what's happening in a way that I haven't been able to be, you know, like last week. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you could comment on, you know, the gravity, the stillness or anything that, that moves you. Well, I appreciate your, uh, what you brought and the honesty of it, because most of us, I think probably all of us have felt that terror and early feelings. And I will just say, um, and I could supply a beautiful Rilke quote, but I don't have it in front of me. And he talks about what if we could be with things like weathering a storm? Like we're, we're so conditioned to want a good strategy or to have the formula or to know exactly how to handle things. But what if it's like a huge storm that blows through, like a hurricane even sometimes. And there's a great dignity, something innately beautiful about just weathering it and and really treating it like that that we're here to really appreciate ourselves as nature and we have all these parts and these depths and sometimes these terrible storms these terrors but as we open it to, as we are willing to brave them, to find that little bit of courage to experience them or touch in, we're also discovering, sometimes after the storm, that there was something also there that was seeing or maintaining a, a presence. And I don't know if that speaks, you know, and I'll, we can talk further about it and as it comes up again. But that this, there's something that's so tentative about all of us, like we don't quite trust 
that this attention or this awareness can meet that terror, as you put it, the really big stuff. But there's something that comes through. And we know it because something in us feels a bit different. I'll just leave it there for now. Mm -hmm. I'll just say that I do identify with being on the other side of the storm that I can feel, you know, I made it. But while it was going on, I really wasn't sure I could bear it anymore. I mean, I wasn't suicidal, but I could understand how somebody could be with that terror. Yeah. That's a pretty heavy statement, I guess. I hope that wasn't too heavy to say, but it was oh. really intense. Yeah. No, it's not too heavy. And, you know, I feel that it was very intense and there is a lot to us. Fear and terror have stories to it in every sense of the word and it goes very deep and very intense. And there's also in us as the long ago brother and painter said, courage and radiance and an overshadowing presence. And as Desmond Tutu, who's seen some very challenging times, as Harley said, saw an innate capacity for the sublime, for beauty. So both. And you made it through. And we will stop there for tonight. And I just feel so grateful for all of you for your company and your practice and your presence and everything you brought and everything you bring and your beauty and your donations, your beautiful generosity and your willingness to keep coming back in this form while we weather the storm together. So we put two hands together in our heart space, if you wish. And we really rejoice in this practice and we don't keep it just for ourselves and our self-improvement. We let it shine out in all directions with a wish. May all beings everywhere be safe and protected from all kinds of harm and danger inside and outside. May all beings everywhere have the resources and the support they need. May all beings everywhere weather the storm May all beings everywhere know how it feels in every way to be free. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I look forward to seeing those of you who can next Wednesday, next Sunday. Take care.